It is amazing and beautiful. And we're going to have a look at it this morning. I wonder if you've ever stood out at night in the vast expanse of the stars and just looked up and just taken it in and just breathed and just been awestruck by how big the universe is, by how big God is, by how mighty and expansive he is. I wonder if you've ever gone out away from the city lights and, and just had an awestruck moment by the stars in the sky. I took my three boys away a little while ago. We went camping up the Murray. We took our swags. We camped by the Murray. We found a free campsite just right along the edge of the Murray. And, you know, we had a little campfire and we told stories and eventually we went to bed and we zipped ourselves up in our swags. But in the middle of the night, I unzipped the zip and I poked my head out. And I have never seen anything like it. The stars were just as bright as you could possibly imagine. And the Murray River was so still, probably not right now, but so still and so flat and so shiny that the stars were like reflecting perfectly in it. And Charlie, my youngest, was little, so he was sharing the swag with me, so I kind of went like this, like, like I was trying to shove him over. But, you know, I said, Charlie, come and have a look at this. And he poked his little head out and he went, oh, wow. And honestly, it's probably like, it probably wasn't as good as I remember it. There was something about the stillness, the cold, the quiet, the stars, the reflection. It was incredible. And I remember in that moment thinking, God is so big. God is so magnificent. God is so strong. God is so powerful. And it was just an amazing something in my spirit resonated in that moment. I wonder if you've ever had a moment like that. Because unfortunately, for me, the reality is, is it's gone like that. There's this moment, but the next morning, I've cut my finger on the stove. We're trying to pack up the swags. They won't fit in the car. It's all chaos. We need to be back because it's only a three-day weekend, and it's all gone pear-shaped in a heartbeat, and I've utterly forgotten the magnificence of God. And that is the story of my life. That is... That is how I live my life, is I have these little moments of where I remember how amazing God is and then my life settles back in and it turns to chaos and particularly at this time of year. I don't know about you, but my life is crazy. There's things happening, there's things in the calendar, there's clashes, there's stuff that we forgot, there's more stuff that we forgot, there's stuff that I was meant to be told about that I forgot didn't get told about, there's things to be bought, there's plans, there's family that you got to have, like it's complicated and my vast amazing confidence in God is gone in a heartbeat. I wonder if that's like you because what happens with me is it's not just that I've forgotten how amazing God is, I lose confidence that God is who he is and I wonder if sometimes you might be like me, where you actually then begin to wonder whether God is actually good. Who even is he? What is he doing? Is he even doing anything? Because I don't know. Because I've forgotten. Or I've gotten busy. 
or everything else has gotten really big and God got really small. I wonder if that's something that happens in your life. As we head towards Christmas, we're unpacking the Christmas stories and we're picking up this theme called Breathe, where we want to encourage you to stop and to pause and to breathe. And that seems like a stupid idea, given my calendar right now. But actually, I think it's really essential that we do that. And I want to draw your attention to the beautiful image. Thanks, Les, for putting this together, because there is the beautiful, heavily pregnant Mary standing out in the night sky, looking up and taking in the magnitude, the magnificence of God. I think it's a beautiful image. Today's Magnificat that we're going to look at, I feel like when I read it, it stands in stark contrast to who I am. Mary's confidence in God, her utter confidence in God, just feels quite foreign to me and the roller coaster of doubt and anxiety that I ride my life on. It feels like it's in contrast, and I wonder if we can have a bit of a look and figure out what it is that she is so utterly sure about. Because she had good cause to be unsure about God. Let's remember the backstory of Mary. So, Mary, she's like a young teenager. She's living in a culture where women simply do not rank. She can't own property. She probably can't testify in court. She doesn't have a lot of rights. She doesn't have a lot of value. She probably sits just above the cattle in terms of her value in life. And she has an encounter with an angel who says, you are going to have a child out of wedlock. She's betrothed to Joseph, but that hasn't happened yet. And this angel says, you are going to have a child. And the child is going to be the son of God. And the child is going to change everything. And Mary believed and Mary trusted. But she had good cause to doubt. But she didn't. So the first thing she does is she heads off to Elizabeth, her older cousin. She's heard that, you know, there's been an encounter there and there's going to be a baby born there too and that's all complicated. So she heads off, really long walk off to see Elizabeth. And then she breaks into song. Now, I've got to say, when you're reading the book of Luke, it's a bit like an episode of High School Musical. Everybody's got a song. I think there's just like four different people bursting into song right in the middle of nowhere Um, And this is one of them where Mary bursts into song. And I'm going to read it. And I just want you to listen. Um, I won't read it as beautifully as the video did, but it's pretty magnificent. Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Saviour, for he has looked with favour on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. The powerful one whose name is holy, has done great things for me, for me. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud with the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He's filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. The Magnificat 
It is stunning. So it's a song, or you know, perhaps we can look at it as a poem, and it's written in little couplets. So little, little pairs of two lines and two lines and two lines and two lines. And the second line makes sense of the first line. So I'm going to look at them in twos. This is the first one. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. The, the word rejoices there, because um, we, you know, like if you have a bit of a read of your Greek and your Hebrew, which I'm sure I do all the time, but one of the things we'll note is that our English words are never quite good enough to cover what those words are saying. And this particular word for rejoice is jumping up and down with joy. That's what this word was talking about. How very teenager Mary. You know, my spirit is quite literally jumping up and down with joy. And she uses the word magnifies. My soul makes bigger. My soul magnifies the Lord. This is literally bursting out of her, this song of praise. I wonder what it is that you magnify. In this season of Christmas, as we're heading towards the the 25th or the holiday or whatever it is that follows, what is it that you magnify? And is it God? Do we magnify our finances or our holidays or our friends or, you know, our worries, the things that we're concerned about? Are they the things that we're magnifying? What would it look like if we magnified God like Mary is? Mary is very much in touch with what's going on inside of her. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It is that as well. But she's really aware of what's going on inside of her. And she's like, my heart, my spirit, my inner being is leaping up and down for joy. And everything I want to do is making God bigger. The second thing she says is, He has looked with favour on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. Mary is a lowly servant uh, and her lowliness is really evident. Like I said before, she can't vote, she can't own land, she doesn't have a lot of rights. She's utterly, uh, she is utterly aware of the lowliness of her status. And yet she recognises that generations to come will call her blessed and they do. You know, blessed art thou, Mary, blessed among women. We... You know, however many years, I guess it's 2,000 years later, she was right. Generations will call her blessed, but not blessed because she started off blessed, not blessed because she was somehow amazingly worthy, but blessed because of what God did in her, blessed because God recognised her lowliness and lifted it up in what he did in her life. This is what she says next. The powerful one whose name is holy has done great things for me. For me. This is utterly, deeply personal for Mary. This is really personal. But what then she does is she kind of takes a step back and she widens her perspective. She says, his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She recognises that that thing that God did in choosing her in her lowliness to lift her up and give her this great gift, that's actually for everybody. 
She's stepped right back and she's going, this is for everyone, not just for me. She didn't say, this is for everyone, but I'm not sure it's for me. That's what I do. She says, this is for me and it's for everyone, everyone, from generation to generation. This is going to change things for everyone. And when it says who fear him, who recognise his enormity, who get who he really is. And she says, he has shown me, she ha- he has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts, he has brought the, down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly, and he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. And this is where you can read it and go, did she really think that? Did she really think that he had filled the hungry and, and, and lifted up the poor and sent away the Like, has he actually done that? Because from Mary's perspective, it would be really hard to think that she was like totally confident that he has actually already done that. Because it wasn't evident in her life. It wasn't evident in the people around her. So... She's talking like it's past tense. He has done these things. But I think what she's doing here is she's using the prophetic past tense. She's speaking in past tense about what will happen in the future because it's actually already been done. In the moment where God placed that baby in her womb, it was utterly done. Set in motion like a bowling ball. You know? When you you load it up, you swing it back, and it's been released. It's absolutely been set in motion. So Mary can say, he has, because indeed, he has. He set it in motion to turn everything on its head and to change everything in the world. What God did in that moment with Mary turned everything upside down. The first shall be last, the last shall be first. The lowly indeed will have good reason to praise God. It's been done. He's turning things upside down, inside out, and changing the order of the world. So she's got a confidence that I sometimes just don't relate to. Uh, And and I, I, I wonder if how it is that she has this utter confidence that God is who he says he is. Because sometimes I wonder. I remember a while ago I had to try and prove that I was who I am. Have you ever had to try and prove that you are who you are? So we were selling our house in the basin uh, and when it came time to settle the section 32s and the deeds and whatever and however all those clever things work, what they worked out was that my name had been spelt wrong on the deed in the first place. So I technically didn't own the house because they spelt my surname L-I-N-D-E-R. And it's not. It's L-I-N-D-N-E-R. For the want of an N, I couldn't prove who I was because every piece of proof proved that I was Yvonne Lindner, not Yvonne Linda. You know, and, and I wonder, you know, if God sometimes goes, oh, for goodness sake, if only you would believe that I am who I say I am. But sometimes we don't. Here Mary seems to have no doubt that God is who he says he is. 
even though the circumstances of her life would afford her the right to doubt. Because as a young, unwed, pregnant girl in her town, they could have marched her out to the town square, stripped her naked, put rags on her and let everybody spit on her. That was the danger she was in. And you might go, well, you know what, if, if you found yourself miraculously pregnant, surely you'd believe God is who... I, trust me, I probably wouldn't. I would work out a way to rationalise that away. So there's something in Mary's deep confidence in who God is coming out here. I remember standing in the lounge room of my house. Once I did eventually sell the other one and move to the new one. Standing in the lounge room of my house, in the window, looking out, because I can see the Dandenongs, just over the rise of the houses, and I remember tearfully crying to God, having an argument with him, saying, so, you reckon you're big enough to move mountains? Well, you can't even solve the problems in my marriage. I don't believe that you are who you say you are. And I utterly doubted who God was and that he was good. I'm not sure that I believed he was good. And if he was good, maybe he wasn't good for me. I wonder if there's a real danger sometimes in our lives that we might look at the circumstances of our lives to determine who God is rather than looking at God to determine what our life should look like. I wonder if we look at things upside down sometimes. I know I do. And I don't all the time. I sort it out with God from time to time. Let me ask it a different way. Will you look at your life to determine who God is or look at who God is to determine your life? Which way will you do it this Christmas? Which way will you do it when things get busy? Will you look at your life and say, well, God's not that big, or God mustn't be good because he hasn't solved this or he hasn't solved that, or God's, God's not as capable as I thought he was? Which way will you spin it? Which way will you look at it? In this whole great reversal of the equality in the world, of the systems in the world that Jesus is doing, that God is doing through the person of Jesus in this great reversal. It's not just a simple swap where like poor people suddenly become rich people and lowly people suddenly become important people. It's not just a straight swap that he's doing in this great reversal that he's bringing out. It's a change in the system. It's a total change in the system. So if we're not seeing wins in our life, we can't let that equate to what we believe about God. That can't be how it rolls. So Mary takes one last step backwards. So she's looked at, at, at herself and she's recognised that this is amazing for her. And then she's recognised that this is amazing for, from generation to generation. And then she takes one last step and she says this. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants. She steps back and she said, God always said he would do this. And here he is doing it. 
He's good for his word. He's following through on the thing he said he would always do. And Mary recognises that in that moment. So Mary recognises that it's personal. This is for me. This is for us. This is for you. And she recognises that it's for generations to come. And she recognises that in that moment, God is turning the world on its head. That this baby will become a new kind of king. That the government will be upon his shoulders. And that he will be called the Prince of Peace. That he will bring people back to God in a way that's never happened before. That he will bring heaven to earth in his life. And that he will indeed fulfil the promises that God made. Because God is who he says he is. So what do we need to do to make sure that we allow our spirits to soar, our spirit to jump up and down for joy at what God is doing? How do we make sure that we don't determine who God is just by looking at our lives, but we genuinely have a closer look at who God is so that we magnify him not the stuff of our lives. How are we going to do that? Well, the first one is, is we need to position ourselves. So that day when I stood in my window crying to God saying, I'm not sure you are who you say you are because you reckon you can move mountains and I don't even see you solving the tiny molehill of my life. And I left it at that and I walked away And I went in to my bathroom, which is on the other side of my house. Lo and behold, I could see the dandenongs from there. Out of the corner of my eye, I looked through that window and I'm like, what are the dandenongs doing out that window? They're meant to be out that window. And in that moment, I just had this deep sense of God saying, you reckon I can't move mountains? You're just not standing in the right place to see it. You're just not positioning yourself to be able to see it. What will it look like for us to be able to position ourselves to see what God is doing and who he is and what he's up to? The second thing is we need to take a leaf out of Mary's book and worship. We just need to let it burst right out of ourselves. This morning, I would love us to to go back over the words of that song Waymaker. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. How do we actually just get about worshipping God saying, you are who you say you are and I'm going to say it out loud. I'm going to acknowledge it and I'm not going to let the things of my life get in the way of me recognising that. So position yourselves. Swap your worry for worship. Hang around with the people who will build that confidence and who will remind you. That's what, that's what Mary did. She, she hot-footed it straight off to Elizabeth because she knew that Elizabeth would, would recognise. And in that moment, Elizabeth actually said the, the line, a blessing on you for believing what the Lord said to you would come true. Elizabeth recognised that and Mary stayed with her for months to really um, connect in who she believed God was. In the busyness of Christmas this year, we want to breathe. Ali, come and tell us. You've got got one thing that we can actually do that's really practical. Tell us about these. Yep. So 
Uh, for Advent, so in the lead up to Christmas, um, our Create group have made you all an Advent windmill flower or star. You can call it whatever you like. Um, it is covered with 25 verses um, from the Bible. So we'd encourage each of us, there's one per household, to take this and put this somewhere. And every day, just to have that moment of pause where we find the number for the day and we read it, they're really little. Um, put my glasses little, on. Yep. yep. They're really little um, verses. They break down the verses into tiny little chunks, which is actually quite good because then we reflect on those little things. And to pause for a moment and just to read that verse. And as we are thinking of breathe and um, the questions that we asked ourselves at the start of the year, God, where are you? And God, how can I join you uh, today? To ask ourselves those questions just to know, God, you are here. This is what I'm reading today. And God, you are here with me today. And God, how can I join you today? And the most beautiful thing is that when we're doing that, we find that God breathes on us. And, um, and it all becomes it work? better. Go for it. Blow. Ready? <sighs> Lovely. And good like this if you don't want to be doing, oh, uh, doing it with I, the wrong hand. I, I breathed on yours. My right hand. Hang on. That, I'm not going to breathe again. This, but it's beautiful. Ah, so, don't yeah. fall off. No, That's a bad idea. So, um, yeah. So take one of these. They're in the foyer straight afterwards. And yep. come. Just It'll help you remember. So pause. Absolutely. So in this season... Like, when it gets busy, if it gets busy, you might be like, I don't relate to the busy. Christmas is just a bit of a breeze. Either way, find a way for you to have a pause moment, to have some spaces that are regular, whether it's a reminder like this where you go, I'm going to do this daily, or whether it's where you just choose to pick up a whole new playlist on your phone and you're going to play yourself songs that remind you of who God is so that you are magnifying him, not the things of your life, that you're magnifying him and that eventually you get so in touch with who God is and how big he is and how amazing he is and how great he is that maybe your spirit will jump up and down for joy like Mary's did. We're going to sing a song and I, I just think it's a beautiful song. It's called Build My Life and it really talks about the idea of the fact that God is worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. God is worthy of every song we could ever sing. And out of who God is, I intend to build my life on that, not decide who God is depending on what my life looks like. Let's sing. Okay.